Howdy folks, Chris Applegate here with another episode of The Other Dad, your foster and adopt radio show focused on pointing you towards our other dad, which is God the Father. So today we got a couple things lined up for us. Um, before we get started in that, I want to point you, if you hadn't checked out our Facebook page, check it out. It's facebook.com backslash other dad. I post articles on there on occasion. And a lot of times those are articles that are going to be a part of the conversation in the podcast, or they were part of the conversation and now they're there for your reference. So be sure to go there, like the Facebook page. And we're also uh, uh, loading on there whenever we have a new episode loaded. Additionally, talking about new episodes loaded, I appreciate your patience. I know last week I failed to get an episode up. I have been working on the administrative workings of The Other Dad uh, podcast, and I've been able to get The Other Dad on just about all of your favorite podcasting uh, platforms. So we're on iTunes and all the other ones. Uh, iTunes was the most difficult one for me to get loaded on. So uh, anyways, check us out on your favorite podcasting platform. Subscribe on there. Leave us a review. The reviews are very beneficial. They are they're very helpful for furthering the word about the uh, show. So uh, appreciate it. I had a friend uh, kind of uh, asked me where the episode went last week, and I, I didn't realize people actually listened. So, no, I'm just kidding. We, uh, uh, like I said, we had a whole bunch of uh, administrative stuff going on with the podcast, so we I was a, unable to get that recorded last week and get it loaded. However, now hopefully we should be back on a routine. Uh, coming up next month, we have... Um, Hopefully a, a very good announcement about the uh, support group in Parker County. So if you're in Parker County, Texas, keep your ears peeled. That's coming up. We've had some discussion this week uh, about that with the local church and some other leaders. So we are making progress there. It's hopefully coming within the next 30 days. Also coming up here pretty soon, and we are going to have a guest speaker on to talk about a ministry uh, you're going to hear some of the stories today based on my experience with that ministry. And uh, so it's had a huge impact on my life. It's had a huge impact on my child's life. And so I'm excited to share that ministry with you guys and uh, hopefully, you know, encourage you and, and other leaders and churches to get it implemented in their churches. So without further ado, today we're going to talk about a couple things, a couple topics. We're going to talk about uh, history and our identity, and then we're also going to talk about uh, a couple actionable items from Pastor John Piper about how we, as fathers, can be blessings in the home. Got a couple stories associated with those that I'm going to share with you. So without further ado, let's get rolling. So to get started, I shared on the Other Dad Facebook page a uh, picture and it says never be a prisoner of your past it was just a lesson not a life sentence and i have got to be reminded of this at times um i was mentored by a pastor years ago and he guided me through a series of scriptures which i'm going to share with you guys associated with this topic of not being a prisoner to your past this is such an important life lesson um, 
this pastor was guiding us through lessons about the kingdom of God, which, uh, what did that mean? What is the kingdom of God? What is my role? What is my identity in that? And, um, you know, where do I fit in the kingdom and, and in the plan ultimately? But one of the passages that we came across was in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, and, and specifically, it is uh, verse 22, but this is in the passage where we're talking about wisdom. You know, if you go back a couple verses in verse 18, it says, No one should deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he can become wise. Now, without going down this rabbit hole, the wisdom of God is foolishness to the world, right? I mean, the wisdom of God says, and, and, and again, if we look at the testimony of God, the testimony of God is this, that Jesus gave his life that we may have ours, right? That we can live an eternal life through the righteousness of Christ. And so, and so this foolishness to the world says, we are all sinners, and you see this in society today, right? Um, you see the LGBTQ plus dot, 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 all those other letters on the back of LGBTQ, and it keeps growing, and they're saying, you don't love, but yet the love of God applies, um, is a just love, right? And so, so the love of God says, you are all sinners. We are all sinners. I am a sinner. I am separated from God because of my sin. And we are all in this boat because we are all sinners. And, and this is the, the wisdom of God, but this is so foolish to the world to say that my lust for a man or a woman, by the way, guys, I only, you know, I, I'm straight, <laughs> but, but a human being's lust for a man or a woman is sin. But yet in society today, we're trying to say, no, it's love. But that is not the love of God. The love of God says that is sin and you need a savior. You have to have the ultimate sacrifice, which is Jesus Christ dying on the cross and rising again and being seated at the right hand of God. That is what we as human beings need when we've got to surrender our lives and turn from our wicked ways, our sin, our lust, our anger, our pride, all of these sins, we've got to turn from them and turn to Christ. But yet that is so foolish to the world. So for the wisdom of the world, and I'm reading in verse 19 of chapter 3, of 1 Corinthians, it says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, since it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasoning of the wise that they are futile. So let no man, no one should boast in men. Men think we are so wise. We try to justify, we try to explain the world through science, through mathematics. And we've been able to make some huge, magnificent discoveries, but yet there's so much that we can't explain. The more that we dive into this, the less we can explain. The more questions we have. You know, I had, uh, my mom shared a uh, Facebook uh, video of a bird 
that was taking reeds of grass and weaving the grass blades like a basket weaver weaves a basket. And I looked at that and go, that is amazing that a bird and all the birds of this variety, whatever family it's a part of, do that. They weave their own nest out of grass blades. And the fact that God made them that way, and this particular genus or species, a bird, does that is just mind-boggling, okay? Why do no other birds do that? And, and you know, science says because that's how they evolved. How foolish is that to say, for some reason, this one bird evolved from all the others and all of its descendants did the same thing, waved basket nest. That is absolute foolishness. No, God made them that way. He made that particular bird that way. And so, so in this passage leading up to 1 Corinthians 3, verse 22, we talk, it, it explains the foolishness of the world because the wisdom of God is so much better. Verse 22 says, uh, actually, verse 21, No one should boast in men. For all things are yours, speaking to the church, right? All things are yours, whether it's Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. Now, Paul and Apollos and Cephas were, were teachers that had led these people to Christ and grown them. And they were having arguments in, among the, the church in Corinth about, you know, uh, well, well, Paul is the one that led me to Christ. Well, Apollos led me. Oh, well, I, I belong to Cephas, you know? And, and they're having this turmoil amongst themselves about who, who led them to Christ. This is absolutely wild. Well, this letter is, is correcting that, saying, guys, it doesn't matter who, who led you to Christ because all of these things are yours because you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. So therefore, we all belong to God, Right? But we can jump past something important here. It says whether it's life or death or things present or things to come. Now, if you notice, this passage leaves out the past, right? And, and I think it's for very good reason. I believe the Bible is the inerrant word of God. Yes, Man wrote the words down, but it was through the direction of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit directed them not to add the past there for a reason. Let's, let's explore this a little bit more. If we go back to Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Um, so this is Jesus talking about um, what it means to follow him. And, and somebody said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those in my house. And in verse 62 of Luke chapter 9, but Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So when we make a decision to go and be a part of the kingdom of God, we can't hold on to our past, right? 
And this is throughout Scripture that we are reminded of this. So again, in second in First Corinthians chapter three, verse twenty-two, when it says, "Paul, Apollos, receive us," whether it's life or death, or things in the present or things to come, all are yours, and you belong to Christ and Christ to God. So we we belong to Christ, and our past does not belong to us, but our present and our future does. So when we're when when I posted this, I was reminded back to these scriptures and in the identity that we have in Christ, that we belong to Christ and we are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ, as we're told in Ephesians. So we God isn't looking upon our failures in the past he's looking upon the righteousness of god and we have that righteous the righteousness of christ right where christ came to the earth and though he was tempted by all sins he did not sin he lived perfect spotless life and so we have our present and our future to say i'm going to live in the power of christ okay because i belong to christ and christ belongs to god um, Second Corinthians five. What is what was it again? Verse seventeen, I believe it was here. Um, let's see here. Therefore, if anyone, yeah, this is amazing, guys, because tying this all together, we say the past doesn't belong to us, but the present and the future do. And the reason being, look at this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, and look, behold. All things have become new. We have a new identity in Christ. We are a child of God. We are heirs of Christ and joint we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So we have an identity in Christ, and that is what defines us today and in the future. And I think we have a vital responsibility, just like Paul when he wrote this letter to the church in Corinth, teaching his followers, like, guys, you understand that your identity is in Christ today and going forward. Your identity is not in the past. We have the responsibility for our children to teach them those very things. So I don't care if the child is in your house for a day or for 10,000 days. We have that responsibility to teach our children that day in and day out. So I'm, I'm, I'm teaching this as a reminder to myself because though I learned this, I want to say it was about eight years ago now. Uh, yeah, somewhere in the ballpark of eight years ago that I learned this. Um, I have not always consistently applied it in my life and I've daily got to take up my cross and follow Christ and pursue these very things so it's really cool really exciting to know our identity in Christ you know um, as, as I was looking at this I was reminded about in my own personal life so uh, a little bit of my testimony September 15th 1999 I was at Wedgwood Baptist Church in the sanctuary at a saw you at the pole rally Larry Jean Ashbrook came in with guns and opened fire at the church he asked where the prayer meeting was and typically it was in the sanctuary but but the kids were there that night with a band Larry Jean Ashbrook came in with a pipe bomb. He threw that pipe bomb by God's 
miraculous power. That pipe bomb did not explode outward. It only exploded straight up and saved countless lives. He shot and killed, I believe it was seven people. I think it was seven others that were injured. And I was traumatized as a middle school child at the time um, from that event. And you see, I that event, that trauma in my life identified me and it controlled me for several years. I tried to brush it under a rug as if it never happened. But it was three years later that I was in an acting class. And in the acting class, the, uh, the teacher was explaining the importance of a skit that we had just done where, um, you know, the, the child was playing and the child was kidnapped and the importance of, you know, protecting ourselves from the evil in the world. And as I got on the bus to go back to school after that acting class, I broke down in tears. I, it was the first time in a long time that I'd cried over the situation, that I'd cried over the battle that had occurred in that sanctuary at Wedgwood Baptist Church in 1999. This year marks 20 years from when it happened. And that very event, though it was traumatizing to so many, to me it does not define who I am. Yes, I survived that night, and there were many times after that night that I was angry at God that I survived. I wished many times that he had taken my life instead of the others who were there. But God has brought me through that, and he says, no, I have a plan for you, and God is sovereign, and he has chosen to bring me through that. And my life is his to live and to bring him glory, not my own. And I've got to remind myself of that day in and day out. At any moment of any day, God could say, okay, today is the day, Chris. You're coming home. But when every day that he doesn't is a day that he says, Chris, you have a mission and a purpose Today and going forward, yes, I have mistakes in my past, but those don't define me. I have burdens and sorrow and and hurt from the past, but those very things do not define me. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Do I still struggle with them at times? Absolutely. But the Word of God, we've got to be in the Word of God and know what God what God's purpose is in our life, that we are a child of God, that we are forgiven, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ, that the old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. We have a new identity and it is exciting. And and if we keep it to ourselves, shame on us. We have got to share that with our kids. So sharing our story is important. Uh, I want to share with you guys real quick too, because I have a child that, um, you know, he was taken away from his biological family when he was really, really, really young. I think he was two or three. So he probably has some visual memories of people, but he doesn't really have a in-depth memory that an older child would. 
Well, there's been several times that he was acting up, acting up, and we sat down with him and just, son, what what is the problem? What's going on? And then ultimately, after he gets to talking, he just breaks down in tears and says, I miss my mommy. I miss my family. He doesn't really remember them, but he has, I mean, he has some memory of them, uh, but it's very vague, and it's not... um, it's just, it's hard for him because he was so young and he's clinging to that past and wanting to look back at that. And, and his acting up today was because of that history back then that he remembers the little things that he remembers. And it's hard for him to verbalize now he's nine years old, but it's hard for him to verbalize that. Right. But, but those very things that were in the past, were were contributors to how he was acting today. And so these opportunities, when we see our children and as a foster or adoptive parent, you understand that. How things in the past can cause our children to act certain ways today. And those are great opportunities for us to pull out these scriptures and make it real for them, help them understand that that history that is bothering you, that is scaring you, that is, you know, whatever the emotions are that that past is causing, that that belongs to God. Lay your burdens at his feet and let him take that burden from you, okay? So, so I hope that this encourages you like it has me, and I hope it gives you freedom like it has me. Again, never be a prisoner of your past. It was just a lesson, not a life sentence. If you belong to Christ, you have freedom from that. You have freedom from the law of sin and death, and you are free to live in the righteousness of God. So, Again, I hope that encourages you guys. Um, Thanks for (laughs) bearing with my tangent on that. Uh, So I want to talk to you a little bit more about um, uh, now the the role of a father. This is really turning into a Bible study today, guys. So uh, thanks for your patience. I hope some of my stories, some of the the experiences that we've had uh, encourage you and challenge you. Uh, This uh, sermon that I came up, with John Piper, how every father can bless his home. I came across a sermon of his and, and I'm sharing it on Facebook. Again, go to facebook.com backslash other dad, and you can check out his sermon. He's got three, um, what do you call that? Like categories on what a father can do to bless his home. And this is, this is what I needed Okay, so I wanted to share it with others because I hope this is something that will encourage you as well like it did me. It's challenged me because I realize there's some areas in my life where I'm really lacking that I need to step it up a notch so my family can be blessed. I want to bless my wife. I want to bless my kids. And I'll tell you, the times that I'm in the Word of God, yes, Satan is trying to attack me left and right. However, my family is filled with the joy of God. And what's amazing is the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And, and 
those of you that are followers of Christ, that have, have, have rested in the joy of the Holy Spirit, you understand that. You know the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is just peace beyond understanding. And so, so these three things that John Piper recommends, I want to expand on a little bit. So the first thing that he recommends uh, is pray for your wife and children every day without fail. John Piper's adamant about this, guys. It's every day without fail. Now, here is where I come short. I pray for my family every day. Every morning I get up and I have a Bible study. I have an hour-long commute to and from work, and I spend time praying for them on the commute and also in my Bible study in the morning by myself. However, I very rarely, except for tucking them in bed, lay hands on them and pray for them out loud. And that in and of itself is vital. Laying hands over our wife and our children and praying for them verbally, out loud, fighting for them. And so this is true not just for men, but this is for women as well. Uh, if you hadn't seen the movie uh, War Room, check it out. The power of prayer is amazing. Love it. So one of the things, I told you there's going to be a ministry that I'm going to uh, have these, the founder of that come in and talk about it. Ministry is called Leaders in Training. And the reason I'm so passionate about that is because I went on a mission trip years ago. And the fifth and sixth graders go on this mission trip every year for leaders in training. And they 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 do these backyard Bible clubs, uh, VBS-like stuff, and uh, for neighborhood kids in low-income areas. And these fifth and sixth graders are leading these other kids, these other teenagers and young kids and even adults to Christ. They're fearless. They are going out there and they are furthering the kingdom of God boldly. And they're boldly praying for these kids. I saw kids come in at the end of the first day and share, I met so-and-so, this child, and my heart breaks for that child. They're in a terrible situation. These were fifth and sixth graders, and they would fall on their knees, and they would cry out to God for the souls of these children that they met. And they'd go back the next day, and they would lead that child and their parents to Christ. And you're just, uh, I'm standing over there going... Oh my goodness, this is amazing. This is phenomenal. Well, there's one child that that they allowed to go to the uh, mission trip. However, that child uh, was causing some problems. Uh, he was not your perfect child, right? He was causing some strife. And so they were unsure whether or not to let him go, but they let him go anyways. And they said, we are not going to hold him back. So he goes... My heart breaks for him. I fall down on my knees and I start praying for him. And I'm praying for him and I look up and I see other men laying their hands on him, praying for him. And I get up and I go over there and they have their hands on him and they're praying that God will break his heart and show him the righteousness of God and show him his sin, reveal his sin to him that he will turn from that and come to Christ. And I'm like, wow, these, these people are so bold laying their hands on somebody and praying that for them but I joined in well that night a little bit later that night after all that occurred I went off and I continued to pray for him and I prayed and prayed and prayed late late into the night and I kept praying for him begging for God to break his calloused heart 
couple hours into it, it was close to midnight, or I think right after midnight, if I recall correctly, somebody comes and taps me on the shoulders. I was on a stairwell off in the corner praying for him. And they tap me on the shoulder and they say, hey, uh, Mr. Chris, you need to come here. And they they walk me over there. His boy had given his life to Christ. Somebody led him to Christ. And I believe with all my heart, the power of prayer can move mountains. And so though I pray for my wife and my kids every day, this is one lesson that I've taken away and said I need to pray for them out loud with my hands upon them. And I need to, like John Piper said, he says, that's your job to call down from God hour by hour blessings on this family. That's what headship means to pray for them. End quote. That's what John Piper said. And that is so true. Guys, we're in, I mean, the Bible is very clear in Ephesians. It says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and principalities and authorities of this dark age. So therefore put on the armor of God. We are fighting a battle throughout scripture. We are told Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is the prince of the power of the air. He is all over trying to cause us to fall any way he can. Look at Jesus when he was here. Jesus was tempted by Satan. Satan came and tried to tempt him in every way, and Satan did not give in to that temptation. And so Satan knows the scripture, and he knows our weakness, and he fights and fights and fights, and he tries to rip our families apart. And it's our responsibility as a head, the spiritual headship, to pray and fight that battle every day. And so that was his first. Pray for your wife and children every day without fail. Wow. Oh, man. I love John Piper. So the second thing that he says is set standards for your home. Now, now he encourages when you do this, work with your wife, right? Don't just go in there as an eager beaver and say, all right, family, I've come to rule the nest. If you're anything like me, I'm the head of this household. I'm the king of my castle. And my wife's the neck. She controls where the head goes. And, uh, <laughs> you know... Uh, I'm going to pay for this. My wife listens to this. I'm the head of the house. <laughs> oh, man, that's going to work out well. No, but we've got to work with our wives to to make sure that we are not dominating, saying, you know, I'm the king and this is how it's going to be and, and laying down the, the strong arm of the law. We've got to work together. Guys, oh, man, John Piper talks about um, like TV and, and media and stuff. Wow, have we got our challenge ahead of us. This is vital when we have children that are vulnerable. Not only is Satan trying to attack them every way, now our children have access to things that 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 are scary. There are I just I just read an article recently about um this mojo thing. Uh, freaked me out and I proclaimed in the name of Jesus that none of that will come into my house and I pray protection over my wife and kids because this whole mojo thing challenge is is freaky innocent cartoon on YouTube and then all of a sudden they pop in there they edit something in there that is that is teaching and challenging kids to do harmful things to themselves even 
<laughs> these these cartoons are embedded with it. And, and we have to now protect our kids from that as well. It is just mind-boggling the things that we've got to do. I used to let my kids watch uh, YouTube. Not anymore, not unless I'm sitting there right there with them. Even the kid YouTube, man, they, they, they somehow get this stuff in there. I mean, we've got to teach our family modesty. I mean, making simple things like, I, I love my wife. I'm so blessed with my wife. She is so modest. I mean... Now, she's not Amish, you know. I mean, she doesn't go all the way to, you know, i got to cover every inch of my skin. Although, I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> but we're not, we're not there. But, but she's very modest. When, when she's out swimming and whatnot, she'll, she'll wear a one-piece swimsuit. She won't wear a two-piece where it shows maximum amount of skin. She prefers to cover as much skin as possible. Um, or that she's comfortable with to, to show a level of modesty. And I absolutely adore this. Uh, she doesn't wear low cut shirts and things like that. Very modest, but this is vital because we've got to teach our daughters. This society out there says, show your skin, but we've got to protect our family and, and, and protect them from modest being modest show them how to be modest and so the standards in our home for cleaning for for being good stewards of what god has provided us right the things that we have the very house that we have the vehicles that we drive the toys that we have let's protect them and so this is really challenging um i know a lot of times through foster or uh even adoptive uh placements the children have a history again, going to past, have a history of not being able to take things with them when they go somewhere or toys being destroyed by other kids because they were jealous of them or what have you. And so there are so many times in foster and adoptive care where we, we have children that are destructive with things. And so this is a uphill battle. We've got to teach them that these things do not belong to us and we've got to be good stewards of them. We've got to protect them. We've got to take care of them. And, and that's been a challenge that we've had, and I, I imagine many of you have as well. But we gotta, we got to set those standards in our home, and we got to apply those consistently. we got to, we've just got to do it. we got to do it, man. got to do it. So, and it starts all the way at a young age. The sooner you start, the better. Um, but, but it's never too late to start. So, again, you got to set those standards. Um, let's see here. So, and... Uh, one thing John Piper says here, and dads, you're a key here, positively and in terms of warning. Sometimes it means that you don't think, sometimes it means what they don't think it means. Where are they going to find out? Their boyfriend? No. They find out from dad. That's where they find out what this means, end quote. So that, I mean, John Piper, you just hit it there, guys. We have that responsibility as dads or as parents to teach our children these things. The third thing that John Piper said, and this has been so hard. Um, oh, man. All these things John Piper brought to the table in this sermon were, oh, man, punch to the gut. But this one, this one really, really got me. It says always initiate reconciliation. This is the third and final thing. That, that he says, 
And what he says, I quote here, it says, The Bible is very clear about one thing of the most dangerous intruders. I'm sorry. One of the most dangerous intruders spiritually in a family. And it's from Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. This is one of the quickest ways that Satan gets a foothold in our relationships and in our home is by coming in and 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 causing divide where we have division and we need we're angry we're upset about a situation and Satan in that anger just sits there and manifests his evil plan we're giving Satan an open door. We've given him the key to the house and said, come on in and have your party when we've done this. And we as dads, and and if the dad's not doing it and the wife's listening, women, as mothers, as, as wives, husbands, fathers, we bear the, I mean, first it should be us on men, right? We should bear the responsibility of going and having that reconciliation. And guys, it starts with our kids even at a very young age, right? I remember spanking one of my children in anger and it crushed me. And the child was young and I had to hug that child, that sweet baby girl, give her a hug and say, I'm sorry I did that out of anger. They're never too young for us to reconcile with them. And they're never too old for us to reconcile with them. But if that teenager is going to bed angry, or even not even a teenager, if that young child is going to bed angry, Satan is has an open key to that door. And he is working his evil plan. And we, same thing with us, if we lay down and go to sleep in our anger, Satan is working his evil plan in our life. And so we've got... We've got to not let Satan get that foothold in our lives. We've got to take a stand with the armor of God and go and and initiate that reconciliation. Not tell them your behavior was okay. Make sure that they understand that behavior was not okay. But we've got to tell them that my anger is not okay either. And I am sorry can't tell you how many times I've had to do this and I also can't tell you how many times I should have done this and I didn't so this one's really challenging to me because oftentimes I want to go to sleep and I'm angry and I'm tired and I don't even want to deal with it because I've had it and I said I'm not the one that's wrong they're the one that's wrong but the reality is is I'm laying down in anger and therefore I am wrong and I need to reconcile with them Oh, man, Uh, John Piper goes on, and I quote here, he says, How is the devil allowed into a teenager's room? How is the devil allowed at night into a married couple's bedroom? Answer, when they go to bed angry. If you go to bed angry night after night after night, and that kid is seething at you in there, and no steps at reconciliation have happened. The door is thrown wide open. The devil can wreak havoc over weeks, months, and years. It will destroy a soul, a marriage, and a family. End quote. John Piper sums it up there very well. It is, oh, man. 
Satan is the havoc wreaker. Again, he, he ends it with, Dads, that's your job. Get her done. Do reconciliation. Be the leaders of reconciliation in your home. So, again, yeah, I've had to do that several times. I imagine many of you have as well. So as today's episode draws to an end, I want to encourage you, challenge you, and pray blessings over you. As a foster and adoptive family, I know the challenges are out there. I know it's exhausting. It seems day in and day out we are fighting these battles, fighting over the past that the children have had. Um, Not only our past, but their past as well. And oftentimes that past is burdened, and it is very, very hard. Uh, There's so many stories we can go on down the road um, just with people that I've talked to and even in our own lives. Uh, But keep it in mind that today we have the Spirit of God guiding us and directing us. And today and tomorrow and the future belong to us because we belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. So the question for you as you go out, how will your life today be lived in a way that glorifies God and furthers His kingdom. Well, on that note, folks, I want to thank you for joining me for another episode of The Other Dad. Go out, enjoy the challenge, the impossible task of being a parent in the foster and adopted world and pointing our kids to God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessing, and see you next time on The Other Dad.